heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 24th of May with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning on this busy, busy show. We're going to look at the Roma market report, 7,000 head there and Obviously, a bit cheaper once again. That's a concern as that market has some challenges at the moment. Um, a good yarding in Gracemere today. We'll get to that tomorrow. Um, so much to get through. What is going on with the funding and our health? Uh, we will unpack that. We'll look at all those things as well. We're going to talk state of origin. We'll talk with uh, Tom Flegler and David Fafita today. I uh, caught up with them for rural Queensland today. And Jed Marks from Savage Bookery in Longreach will join us with a new theory to get around potentially what has been a real issue in trying to cost of living in trying to get another market opened in rural and regional Queensland and also in the metropolitan areas. Uh, it's a huge show for you on Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Let's get into it. Jed Marks joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Jed Marks is from Savage's Butchery in Longreach and he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland Today as concerning data coming out that people are steering away and are overlooking um, from the traditional Aussie meal of beef, which is a real worry. Um, you know, we, we thought we'd snapshot it and look through in the Central West. Uh, Jed joins us this morning. Hello, mate. How are you? Good morning, mate. How are you going? All right. I mean, you know, at the moment we're seeing prices, you know, a little volatile at the moment. They're not, they're not in any way 2022 prices. We know that. They've almost dropped 40%. But we're seeing families, and it's happening in the metropolitan areas, it's happening in regional Queensland, that are looking at their shopping list and going, well, what can I afford, what can't I? And unfortunately, um, one of the costs up, cost of living crisis is looking at how we get cheaper quality meat and the beef industry and the lamb industry and the pork industry um, at the moment are under a little bit of fire around this. Yeah, 100%. So um, just with, with our little industry and, and being out here, just to give everyone a bit of an insight, it costs us 75 cents on the kilo just to get our meat from you know uh, Brisbane and, and, and the metropolitan area out to us because everyone likes to eat a, a beautiful piece of steak. Sure. Um, we've we we were lucky enough to um, jag into um, the the pastoral college and um, and to get the little slaughterhouse. Um, we produce some some beautiful animals, but um, just just in costs alone for us to bring uh, the the better quality steaks that some people are wanting from the from the coast and of all all of Australia out. You know, just just that price alone, we've got to tag on. To you know, to the consumers. Yeah, and I mean um, the freight, the freight situation. You know, that's just a cost that you you have to incur. I mean, you cannot wear that, and and then you have to throw in, you know, the supply. I mean, there's only so many bodies you can you can slaughter in long range, and if yeah, the demand yeah. if the demand is higher, you need to buy box beef or you buy bodies. It, it, it's completely up to you. But box beef would be what I would think is is the direction you go in, and you know, with lamb and and pork. And, and that ain't cheap. That just is not cheap. It doesn't matter how you want to look at it. People's costs are going up. 
um, in production. Yeah. It's just the price isn't. Yeah, 100%. Because um, everyone, let's face it, everyone wants to eat, the, you know, the, the best quality steak and everyone wants to, to eat the, you know, the, the tender meat and all that sort of stuff. And the biggest thing is, is what we're seeing as a um, producer and, and, and as a, as a with our butcher shop is the prices aren't moving back very much no. at all. So um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a bit of a um, bit of a game that we play. But um, well, there know, wasn't like, a lot of money in it last year, and let's be honest. Although the prices were very high, the the actual on ground price, you know, in the paddock price compared to what it was being sold as a stake, there wasn't a lot of margin in it. There is some margin in it at the moment, and we know abattoirs. We know that you know JBS and uh, are making money, and a lot of those, you know, they are making money. So everybody's got to get a turn. I don't think the price of meat can come back too much, which means that then you need to look at okay, what what are what are the options? Not not like I mean, we all know, and you can dice up and you can put a slow cooker in, but one option that that you made very clear in in looking at, looking at is potentially the goat goat meat goat meat in, and bringing that into the industry now. Just talk to me through, like you know, and obviously it's a, it's a growing market, but that might be a solution for people. Um, it is highly sought after around the world, and maybe just back here in Australia, as much as people, you know, not I'm not saying to go full, but potentially, you know, for some of these families, we we could grow a market into the metropolitan area from out west. Yeah, hundred percent. So, like, j- just to just to touch on that, like, there's only there's about ten to fifteen percent of goat meat that we produce in Australia that's eaten in Australia. The rest is, is is export. Now, to me, this is a real, you know, market for us because like I really, really hope the the um the, the import tariff like levies for for the ag like they're they're in talks now yeah. of, of of I really hope it lifts. So then our ag industry can can go overseas a lot like a lot more. Um Primary producers, like let's face it, if, if you're a primary producer in in, um, in in the last couple of years, you would have done extremely well out of you know the, the pricing. You know, pricing was sitting at the tops of of nine bucks, but now has sort of you know got around that that four dollar mark um, for for a producer. And you know, they producers would be feeling pretty nervous at the present time, to be honest with you. Yeah. And you know, well, a lot of people have gone even harder. They've bought more country, you know, but. You know, you're right. You know, the, the costs haven't changed. They've actually gone up and the price has halved. So it, it's the new reality. Um, off the back of, of that is why can't more people, why can't we start promoting goat meat? Are, are you starting to see a, 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 an appetite for goat meat as a cheaper product? Yes, yes, we are. So um, a lot of people are very um, nervous to try it. Like a, a, lot, a lot of Aussies out in the, and 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 people out in the, in the bush out here, they were thought of as goats were a pest. Yep. Property owners were property owners didn't want goats anywhere near yards. Um, years ago, they paid people from the coast that used to come out to shoot them. Now, the you know people from the coast would be shot themselves if they were caught. You know, pro, you know, doing uh, killing a killing a goat um, because they're worth so much money. You know, a lot of people back in the day, you know, they they thought that the goat were a feral sort of animals. Now people are starting to get genes and genetics into their animals and they're starting to, um, to, to settle the animal down, if you, if you know what I mean. It's a beautiful eating meat. 
Um, and I, I just I don't know why a lot more people are not more adventurous and, and get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've never eaten it, and that's honest. And and there, there's a question mark. What, what, what is it? Is it gamey? Like, what, what what can you compare it to? So it, it's very hard to explain because everyone and every individual is different in their palate. And that's what we find in, in, in our butcher shop. Everyone's different. But if you get to me a uh, nice younger animal, um, a female, and process that animal, and um, the, the animal is, is sweet uh, in, in taste and flavor, it's not gamey, um, and it's beautiful tasting and texture. Um, sometimes, it, like any, every animal, it um, depends on what the animal's eating, you know, its stress levels and, and all that sort of stuff too. But, yeah, goat meat is absolutely beautiful and I don't know why it's not on the, um, on the you know, tables in, a, in Australia a lot more. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Um, obviously, the MLA have looked at it. Um, they understand the market is worth $240 million in 2021 with approximately $1.2 head that was slaughtered. Um, so... You know, the domestic supply has grown every year for the last three years, but only 15% of that meat is eaten in Australia. So why aren't there? Now, AgForce are looking at, you know, whether or not they can try and raise it, and it might just be an option for some families. So it's a really, really good flag. How's business been for you, Jed? Yeah, listen, it's, it's been tough. Uh, the way, like, the, the tourists haven't um – haven't fired um, at the start of the at the start of the year. That they are actually here now, um, and uh, like Longreach and this these areas out here rely 100 percent on um, tourist trade. Yeah. Um, and and you know it's it's that little bit of cream that, that we make um, through through the you know through the quiet time um, that that keeps us going and keeps us pumping. Um, with our slaughterhouse, um, it's it's moving along. Um, very very well, and um, yeah, just um, I suppose yeah, times will tell what's um, what's going to go on, and and um, yeah, interesting to see interesting to see what happens. Um, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. No troubles at all. Thanks very much. Good on you. Um, he makes a valid point um, from Savage's Butchery, Jed Marks, um, just around why we haven't tried to open up this goat meat into the metropolitan areas and regional areas when people cost a living, let's look at a cheaper option and that we have a market here in Australia that we can grow. It's an interesting stance and one that I think needs to be explored. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It's Wednesday morning, the 24th of May. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's uh, obviously Wednesday morning, the 24th of May with Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. And rightly so, people are so frustrated with timeframes and federal funding on major regional roads that have been pushed back and pushed back and lied to. Now, I'm talking of none more than the Bruce Highway and the Rockhampton Ring Road. That was a major controversy last year and it's 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 interesting when it goes when it goes to the metropolitan areas and it starts making uh, waves in the Courier Mail. There's agendas obviously taking place all over the joint, but this uh, ring road, uh, the federal funding um, and the timeframes have been pushed back again. Now it was the centre of all the delays and controversy last year. The ring road, the Inrad Rural Freight from New South Wales to Charters Towers. And the future plans of the Warrigo Highway have either been pushed back or stretched over a longer period of time, delaying the projects. Well, I mean, seriously. The inland freight route 
from New South Wales to Charters Towers, the Ring Road and Rockhampton and the Warrigo, they're the three majors of Bruce Highway. Now, the Ring Road was about to start construction last year when it was hit with a multi-year delay on the eve of the October budget. Now, the funding breakdown has been updated again and it won't be complete until 2030 or 3031 financial year, a year later than it was proposed in October. The funding's been stretched out over a long period of time rather than brought forward. The $800 million for upgrading the inland freight route is set to start from 25 and 26. is now likely to still be under construction in 2031 and 2032, two years later than it was originally forecasted in October. And the $500 million for the Warrego Highway uh, was meant to start flowing in, um, but it hasn't even been done yet. It's been pushed back another two years till they start putting money in. Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, do you understand what you are doing? There is cuts, delays everywhere for infrastructure and the money for projects remains in place, but you know what you are doing is you are putting the lives at risk of Queenslanders and people who travel on these roads. You want renewables. That's your big thing. You want renewables. I'm sick to death of it. I'm absolutely sick to death of it. That's your whole focus and and the the lives of people in Queensland and around Australia just aren't even relative. We heard about all this stuff. We know about the wind farm. We spoke yesterday with the mayor from Rockhampton, the wind farm up there. It's all about what you want in your ego. Now, the funding changes are unrelated to the 90-day infrastructure audit, which is announced 10 days before the budget. Queenslander Matt Canavan, and we should get Matt on because he talks a lot of sense, accused the government of pushing funding out to make the budget look better in the short term. Well, we've all seen those kind of tricks before. The Courier-Mail reported that it's a year since Labor were elected and all they've delivered for Queensland is uncertainty with when, when and where new roads will be built. People's jobs are on the line, communities desperately need safer roads and are being told to wait. And this is the thing that I don't understand. Now we're told we have to wait till the end of the year to get answers. Well, Catherine King was contracted for comment uh, but did not want a response. She's the infrastructure minister. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has continued on this and he said that Labor's election infrastructure commitments were in the budget and would be delivered. There are no budget cut papers. The dollar remains attached. Well, that's just fundamentally not true. There's another issue around these mental health bed shortages causing dangerous pressures, and we're seeing a lot of a lot of things go wrong with mental health at the present moment in the regions and also in the metropolitan areas. A shortage of mental health beds is creating pressure for patients um, being discharged from emergency departments without help, and the medical peak body has warned that it could be uh, catastrophic. Now, this comes off the back of, and we've all seen this in well documented, um, two men in Queensland who have been fatally shot by police after leaving hospitals. Now, the Courier-Mail did an unbelievable article on this one uh, talking about it. Now, and I've lived this firsthand with some issues with some friends, but there's a short shortage of staff mental health inpatient beds at this present moment, and people who need critical care are getting discharged. Now, the new Mental Health Minister, Shannon Fenterman, 
acknowledged there was much more that could be done to improve the treatment access um, and look at where the mental health system was a top priority. They're building a whole new mental health ward alone in Ipswich. But that's Ipswich, isn't it? Mental health care in Queensland emergency departments has come under the spotlight after two men, two in separate incidents, um, were shot dead by police the next day. This is well documented. Stephen Angus was shot dead, 52, in Townsville on April the 21st. He'd been sent home from the Townsville University Hospital by police hours earlier following a siege and threats of self-harm. On, the 20, on, Sunday, on Sunday, a 29-year-old man was shot dead by police in the Grange after lunging at officers with a knife and a pitchfork. He had been sent home from hospital on Saturday amid a mental health incident. Now, Townsville and Metro North Hospitals and Health Services are all undertaking these big looking at this. You've got the Emergency Mes- uh, Australasian College for Emergency President, Claire Skinner, saying people presenting with emergency departments for acute mental health care will experience unacceptable long and dangerous waits to receive the care they need. Real problems across Queensland with not enough inpatient psychiatric and community-based mental health care um, for Queenslanders. And it is very challenging for the doctors. Now, something's not right here. Something is not right. This has been going on for far too long. And we're sick of it. We have an inability to identify the problems with this Labor government. We've got a federal government that's not funding stuff and all they're worried about renewables. We've got a state government, the health system is shot. Now the mental health issues, right, um, need to be improved. The funding for it, for GPs with mental health, needs to be increased. There needs to be more beds. And you know what? It's not going to improve unless you make a difference. You can sit there and give all the rhetoric you want. But the government at this present moment isn't addressing the big issues. We've got now situations where the maternity ward in Cairns might be in trouble. Cairns, because of the shortages. Gladstone hasn't been improved, but Cairns is now under threat. So how long can this go on for? I'm sorry. People want to be safe. People want to have health. People want to have roads. People want their towns to grow. And all we're seeing and worried about is this bloody renewables and carbon neutral and all this garbage. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's not the priority at the moment. The priority is to look after your own. And unfortunately, Labor have gone away from that. That was what they were built off the back of. That was what Bar Calden and the Tree of Knowledge and where the Shearer strike and that's what it was all fundamentally. You tell me, do you think Labor are looking after you? Because all I see at the moment is deceit, lies and head in the sand. And that, that's not the way forward. We are in a real concerning situation at the moment. And I, I, to me, to me, I, I, I have lost hope in a lot of ways that this government can get the job done. And I'm talking from a state level and I'm talking from a federal level. They have given me no indication whatsoever that they can make change. And that is a real worry. This is Rural Queensland Today. 
It's uh, with Ben Dobbin and it's the 24th of May across rural Queensland. Welcome back to rural Queensland today. Carl Warren joins us from Top X Roma and um, the yarding at Roma yesterday, uh, quite significant, 7,161 head. It had an extra 2,000 head um, in comparison to last week's and um, the quality of cattle was high. Um, cattle were drawn from New South Wales to far western Queensland and local supply areas. All usual buyers were in attendance and activated. Um, and it's always different. Um, yearling steers to restockers uh, had some highs. They had some lows. Um, and how they're calling it, they're calling it 5 to 20 cheaper. Um, I don't necessarily know that is correct. Carl Warren joins us this morning. G'day, Rabs. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, buddy. How are you getting on? All right. They're calling it a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, the market was a little bit funny. Some really big highlights um, and obviously some steers that just didn't make it as well, and that would have been quality-wise. Yeah, Ben, like we're seeing a really good run of local cattle, uh, wieners, and a good run of cattle from the south too, and uh, quality exceptional. You know, they're, they're the lead of our wieners, and they're selling quite strong on this market. And we're still seeing those wiener steers making twelve to fourteen hundred dollars. There was a pen yesterday of lead lead wiener steers that uh, you know they were basically feeders. They came back at sixteen hundred dollars. So there's some good highlights there. Uh, however, if you're off the pace or you've got a few bits and pieces, mate, yeah, the market is starting to soften. So, mate, talk to me about it. Obviously, you're looking at it. They're saying um, yearling heifers followed trend, and they were seven to twenty-three cheaper across the board. Um, can you do you see that in that heifer market? I think overall, Ben, you do um, with those lesser qualities, or or let's forbid say the word Brahmin. We do see those heifers are very tough to sell, and heifers are always the first ones to move, obviously, and they're feeling the effects, but. In those pretty heifers in the wiener market, you know, you can buy the best heifer there for $2.60 to $3 and, and you're getting the cream of the crop there. So, yeah, there, there's a fair bit of distance between the steer and the heifer market. However, it's the leader, that heifer job, still just been holding in there consistently for the last two or three weeks. So, you know, as numbers keep coming and a bit more pressure and, and any lesser qualities, they're the first to feel the effects, mate. Lightweight yearling steers to restockers made four twenty-two to average three eighty-five. Medium weight steers four twenty to three seventy. Heavy yearling steers to feed made three sixty-six to average three thirty-five. And the restockers at three sixty-four to average three forty-seven. Yearling heifers to restockers made three hundred cents to average two seventy-six. So there's obviously some there's some joy in it. Growing steers to processors though. Um, th- th- they were cheaper. Look, the, the the prime market is certainly a bit cheaper at the moment. Yeah, Ben, I think there wasn't a lot of good bullocks or any heavy steers there to really quote on, but I think our cow job actually yesterday was a bit firmer. We saw we saw um, one of the parties back in and quite active yesterday, and, and those good, there was an exceptional run of cows too. They, they made $2.20, 25 which it just felt like it had a bit more a bit more punch in it than previous weeks. So, uh, you know, the story on the street is that uh, Victoria is going to start running out of cattle in the next couple of weeks and some of those southern processes will be up here. So, you know, hopefully mate, if we just stem the flow of those numbers for a couple of weeks and, and we might find the bottom of it. Yeah, and that's the big thing as well, isn't it? Um, you, you Hopefully we can get to something and some sort of, 
place where we can actually see this market um, get to a bottom. Um, cows, obviously, mate, pre-TIC cows um, to restockers and, and, and cows and calves, are there any hitting the market at all? Yeah, there was a good run of PDIC cows there yesterday, Ben, that um, actually went back to the back to a breeder. So there was quite good demand on them. However, we're a bit out of season in parts for PDIC cows and and they're, um, there's not a big demand for them and we're not seeing big volumes of them come through either. So really, they're, they're slightly, unless they're an exceptional line of them, they're slightly better than maybe Meatworks LU if they suit that bracket. But failing that, they're just, just the run of the mill yeah. market. Yeah, awesome. Hey, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. Um, congratulations also. You've had a really good result with this property sale in the Wallambilla district last week. Just give us a snapshot on that. Yeah, Ben, Parola Park. We uh, sold last week under the hammer, which um, exceptional day, I think. We had seven registered bidders and four active in the sale. So, and, um, you know, it stayed locally, which is, which is great. It's um, yeah. There's still plenty of buoyancy in that market. You know, it's it's hasn't backed off on on that property job there, and as we've seen in the local sales. So yeah, no, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, well done, mate. And Topics Roma obviously getting a lot of these good properties, local properties, and Topics Australia obviously very much involved. Carl Warren, appreciate your time this morning, mate. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Well, yesterday was a pretty special day for Origin as well. And look, we will talk with Ben Eichen on Thursday ahead of uh, his trip to Chinchilla. There's a lot going on in rugby league throughout Queensland. But I've got to ask, um, the, the big the big thing about this Queensland Maroon side is the absolute um, firebrands and young blokes who are absolutely raring to go. Tom Flegler is a Tully Tiger. And to me, he is one of the rising superstars of this game. He just loves it. He just loves it. He's what Origin is made of. A country boy who is uncompromising in his values and just wants to absolutely, at every moment, make a difference. Well, I caught up with Tom Flegler for Rural Queensland today. Here he is, the firebrand, wearing the number eight jersey for the first time in Queensland's history, Tom Flegler. Tommy Flegler, congratulations. A starting prop in State of Origin Game 1. I mean, those words must make you put stand, hairs stand up on the back of your neck. You've hard work has paid off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was uh, excited um, as an understatement when uh, Billy rang me last night. But, um, yeah, you know, all I've got to do now is perform. So I've um, been given an opportunity and uh, I've just got to take it with both hands. It's pretty special, isn't it? Uh, yourself and Lindsay Collins, you, you get this take on the legacy. And you talk about legacies, you, you know, Nate Miles, Papa, those blokes who have played before you, who have done it, Carl Webbs, they've all worn that jersey before. That must mean a lot to you to be trusted with that jersey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those players you just named, um, they're greats in the NRL and especially greats of the Origin Arena um, for the Queensland Maroons. So... Um, massive shoes to fill, but um, yeah, I'm more than happy to go out there and give it the best crack I can. And uh, I'm really excited to um, do it with um, you know Paddy and, and Lindsay and, and a few other fellow teammates. So um, yeah, pumped. Fleg, when when Billy talked today, he said that you know there was you were as deserving as any because last year you did the whole three games and you didn't get to play. And how difficult is that to be in there and so close but still not part of it? I mean, you want to be on the field. You know, it must have been a difficult time for you. 
yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard. And at the same time, you've got to remember, I'm in a better position than a lot of other boys were back then too. So as hard as it was, it was still very privileging and you know a massive eye-opener for me to, to be able to be there and you know see how everything rolls when we've won a series so yeah I was um you know really grateful for that opportunity and um this year I'm lucky enough to actually get to play so yeah it's good you you you're so proud of where you're from and I mean I think game two you guys will actually go up and you'll actually go to uh Cairns and I know you're from Dully but just for North Queensland I mean that's where you were born that's where you 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 took your first your first steps playing footy how special is it to be now playing for Queensland and, and knowing you're from there because you are so proud that you're from Tully. Yeah, definitely. I'm proud of where I come from and uh, to be representing North Queensland is massive. You know, they're, they're a massive footy culture up there. Everyone, you know, lives and breathes footy, especially Origin. So, um, yeah, it's massive to be to come from there and now be playing State of Origin and um, I think it's really good that Billy's taken the squad up there this year. Yeah. I suppose they, they wouldn't really get exposed to too many um, big teams like uh, the Maroons and sporting teams in general so yeah they're all going to be um, really excited what'd your mum and dad say mate i mean i i know they were probably were the first people you probably called I, I can only imagine they probably share as much pride in it as you do yeah definitely i mean they're the ones who took me to all the footy trainings when i was younger and and um see the dividends now paying off um yeah they're just they're really proud and really happy to um that i've made the side so yeah reese um Reese is a uh, a pretty a surprise inclusion by any means. Like I know he's played good football. He brings a freshness and just a absolute this blase attitude. But when he gets on there, he's obviously very serious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a character. He's definitely one uh, good bloke to have around the boys. But um, yeah, when he's on the field, you never know what he's going to come up with. But um, he's he's one of the very few kids I've seen with a freakish amount of talent. So um, yeah, happy for him, proud of him, excited for him. So. Um, yeah, I'm keen to get out there and, and have a run with him. Fleg, playing against Payne Usher team, mate, you know him so well. It it, it, it it has to be weird. It has to be weird that one of your really good mates um, in Payne that you're going to be coming up against and, and, you know, literally want to knock his head off. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a great front rower and um, what he's done for the game so far and for Broncos is, um, you know, outstanding. But this is origin time and... Um, Bring it. They hate us and we hate them, so it is what it is and we're going to go out there and... Um, let the game take its place. Good on you, brother. Now, another bloke that has done unbelievable work to try and work his way back into this side is David Fafita. He's very polarising. He went to the Gold Coast Titans on a lot of money and in a lot of ways he probably didn't live up to expectations, but something has changed. His work ethic and the way he has gone about building, rebuilding his career has been quite phenomenal. And he'll play on the edge with Tom Gilbert in Game 1 of State of Origin next Wednesday night. We're seven days away from Game 1 of the State of Origin. He's an absolute firebrand as well. And here is my chat with David Fafita. Well, he's back in Origin, David Fafita. Congratulations, mate. Um, I know how much it means to you to play for Queensland. And, geez, you've worked hard to get back here. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, Yeah, you know, got the call last night off um, coaching. Yeah, you know, I'm very, you know, fortunate and excited, you know, to be part of this team and the week ahead. And I'm looking forward to um, running out there um, next weekend, um, yeah, alongside the boys. It's a really special side in the sense that a lot of these blokes you actually played a lot of football with and you've played for a long time. I mean, obviously you and Tino play together now, but Tommy, 
yeah, Flegler, sure. you played with yeah. Gilbert, you know, like all those guys, yeah. Broobs, all those guys, you've played a lot of football with them when they're young, and that's special now that you're all in this senior Queensland team. Exactly, yeah, we all know each other from, you know, Broncos, the juniors, and um, school, school, and saw the rep juniors coming up um, through the ranks, and yeah, to be a part of, um, you know, all the boys that we know, you know, through the younger grades, and to, to go, um, you know, up to the big stage with all the boys, um, you know, is really special, and for myself, um, just... Excited for it, mate. Just what about your best mate, mate, your fullback? Can you believe that he's yeah. got in here as well? A little rat bag. Oh, he's, in he's in here. Can you believe oh, it? Yeah, no. Nah, another um, good mate of mine, Keeper Park boy. You yeah. know, I've um, been down there for five years together down at Keeper Park, and he's a Narang rooster. He calls Narang himself. rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's like special talent. You know, um, he would have had his opportunity. You know, yeah. twenty twenty one, but yeah. just done his hamstring. Hamstring. So. Yeah, for him um, to be, um, you know, having a wonderful year, you know, them boys there doing a wonderful job there up the road. And um, for him to, you know, um, play the way he's playing and he deserves his shot. Um, he's been playing really well and I'm looking forward to running out there with him, mate. Dave, I know how hard you worked. I, I really do. I mean, it hasn't been easy the last couple of years. And your football, Gordy talks about it as well, just the, the, the dedication you gave to it. Did you think this was going to happen so soon? Like, you know, it, it has been yeah. a really big journey for you to get back here. For sure, mate. You know, um, the Leah I had last year and, you know, missing out on the series last year, you know, um, you know, just had to, you know, make a few adjustments, you know, for myself um, away from footy and on the footy field, you know, um, pre-season, um, came back from World Cup, you know, had to work my ass off and, yeah, to... Um, you know, be here right now, you know, looking back, um, you know, it's not finished, you know, not yet, you know, we still got to keep improving week in, week out, and for myself, I'm just um, staying in the moment, um, looking forward to running out there, um, but yeah, you know, I'm very um, fortunate and grateful to be here, mate. Your so, family, yeah. big thing, but your partner, yeah. she's been instrumental, how happy was she last night? Yeah, she was really happy, she's a blues, so yeah, um, <laughs> got to keep that quiet, yeah, <laughs> no, um, she's, um, she was very happy, you know, I called my mum straight away, and yeah. she was very um, proud of me, and she knows I really wanted this, um, and my nan and all that type of stuff called them, mate, and awesome. they were happy, man. You know, for me, um, and yeah, I don't think all of them were. So um, even my fam- all my family, you know, my father, everyone, they're all happy. Um, cousins and all that, and yeah, all my mates are happy for me. Um, well, it's, you, it's no good, one's mate. more deserving, mate. So Thanks, best bro. of luck. Enjoy Appreciate the week it. and enjoy next Wednesday. Appreciate it, bro. Cheers, Take mate. care, mate. Two proud Queenslanders, um, and look, this week just because of Origin, we will highlight and make sure that we are across everything with Origin. Um, I, I understand it, but um, it is in the DNA of most people who are listening, and so I'm unapologetic in that way. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today. It is Wednesday morning, the 24th of May. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Wednesday morning, the 24th of May. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across Rural Queensland Today. The Rural Doctors Association of Australia CEO, Peter Rutherford, joins us this morning with Rural Doctors um, and obviously the Australian College of Midwives hosting a critical rural maternity services think tank in Canberra tomorrow. Um, And gee whiz, they've got some challenges. Um, Good morning, Peter. How are you? Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It is a real issue. Um, we know Gladstone. We, 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 we're now seeing Kansas in the headlights. We know Gympie's got some dramas. King Arroy, uh, they can't deal with anything there at the moment. Chinchilla's understaffed. There is, in Queensland, a, a real concerning trend, and I don't know what the outcome is. I understand that there's a think tank taking place, but the government have got to want to come on board. The, the government certainly want to come on board. I think they're keen to hear what the solutions are, but it's really important that 
midwives, doctors, and also mums come together and come up with solutions that are meaningful for rural communities, yeah. um, sustainable for the longer term. So the think tank is the start of that, bringing people together. Um, we'll look to engage the broader group of stakeholders and interested parties as well as government um, later in the year. But this is the start, um, really looking at actions and solutions that are appropriate for rural communities and can sustain our maternity services into the future. So talk to me about that. Like, is this not – is this problem not something that could have been preventable? I mean – I understand that the midwives and 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 doctors and and obviously people in the communities have to come up with solutions, but surely that's on the on the government. Surely this was preventable long before we had to come up with this think tank now. Because I mean, we we look at Gladstone for example, and and potentially Cairns at the moment. That's it's in the headlights. I mean. This could have been prevented a long time ago, and I, I understand it's easy for me to sit back behind a microphone and and throw mud. I, I get that, and we've got to come up with solutions now. But I'm thinking about the men and women who are having to drive 100 kilometres down the road and the Bruce Highway, the traffic, and and I'm thinking about people who are, are are nervous about wanting to give birth and 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 not knowing exactly where they're going to give and have have their child children. I, 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 that's the concern that I've got. Well, I think that's, you know, they're real concerns. And I think anyone who's worked in a rural maternity service, and I have in Charleville and out in Kingaroy in the hospitals, and, you know, the the need to go on bypass and make, you know, mothers have to relocate um, before the birth is really, really, you know, it's a terrible decision and it's a terrible thing for mothers and families to have to go through. So it's unfair. We need solutions that are, as I said, sustainable for and suitable for our rural communities. And yes, there's a lot that government can do, but we also need to make sure that the solutions we put forward are solutions that rural doctors and rural midwives are, you know, really comfortable with in working together, um, putting them forward and ensuring that the mother's choice becomes absolutely the core focus of our discussions. And it's not about interprofessional preferences or anything like that. It's about the mother's choice and birthing close to home and what's best for mum. And I think that's a really important part of our discussions tomorrow. I think it's, you know, there are changes. We've seen changes in the workforce. We've obviously all across the issues around the rural medical workforce as well as, you know, the shortage of midwives and allied health professionals. But there's also things that we need to look at in relation to changes that have happened. You know, we now have direct entry midwives where in a lot of our rural communities, you know, we've used um, registered nurses who have a dual qualification of midwifery as well. And the reality is, is that the workforce coming through, we now have people who are midwives only. So how can we better engage with that workforce in our rural communities and utilise them? And how do we create models where everyone is comfortable working to top of scope, but we still provide, you know, supportive training environments for both doctors and midwives. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Um, getting more students in there, there's a long-term 
plan and, and I think we've got the and addressed the long-term plan that we're getting that right. So five to seven years, I think but we're, we're going to be okay, but it's just the short form now. So what is the quick fix Is there or is there such a thing? Well, I don't think there's any immediate fix because if there was, I think, you know, that would have been in place. But I do think we also have to work with communities about, well, you know, when there is, a, you know, maybe a medical shortage like a GP obstetricians may get sick, resign, leave, um, have to take a holiday at some point. Um, you know, what does that mean for community? And one of the things we struggle with, and I saw an instance in Victoria just recently where the doctor who could do caesarean level um, deliveries was got COVID and basically that then meant no birthing could take place. Yet there were still many women who could probably birth with the support of um, another doctor who does have obstetric training, just not to the caesarean level, um, and the midwife group. But we need to have those discussions. We need to come up with solutions in a way that is about mother's choice and birthing close to home, and but still maintain a safe level of service. And we need to make sure that women have an understanding and are informed in their decision-making. Yeah, you're dead right, um, and there's no two ways about it. Um, it's something that we're going to look at a bit more and more. I hope the think tank goes well. I, I really do. Um, I hope that this is the start and the, the first step in a really critical process of getting uh, the whole thing under control and sorted out. And um, obviously we might talk to you next week after you have a few days at this because no doubt it'll be fairly intense. But thank you so much for being with us. I I think you're doing a phenomenal job. It is not an easy solution and it's not a quick fix. And and you're dead right. So Yeah, so it's Yeah, it's important work for our communities. So we're really keen to get onto it and, um, you know, make sure that there are improvements for women in our communities. You're dead right. Uh, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Um, I really appreciate your time on, on Rural Queensland today. Once again, you, you always make yourself available, which is really important to our show because it obviously you're speaking to the converted here. Peter Rutherford, the uh, Rural Doctors Association of Australia CEO, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today. It is Wednesday morning, the 24th of May. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, It is a full-time for many reasons, but our producer, Zach Logan, who has worked with me for almost five years, today is his last day. Uh, Many people who have been rung up, who have been organised to come on this show, have been rung and spoken to by Zach, and Zach is going on to Greener Pastures, he's going on to be an executive producer of a FM commercial radio station and breakfast show out of the Central Coast in New South Wales. Good things happen to good people and um, in the bush a lot of people dedicate their lives and give a lot back. Well, Zach has done that and uh, it is a little self-indulgent but I just want to thank him for all the work that he's done for me over the, the long period of time on Rural Queensland today. Yes, we're still going. Yes, we've got producers. Yes, The show is improving and growing year on year, and that is not going to change. So have a great day. Ray Hadley joins you next. We'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back again tomorrow. Stay safe on the roads. Till next time, it's bye for now.